You know, the chorus to that song, living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely, forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. You know, that would be meaningless if... uh, Some of those people that he loved, lived for, and died for ended up in hell. But thank God not one of them will. There will not be one person in hell that he lived for and loved and died for and was raised from the dead for. What a glorious gospel that is. Would you turn back to... Matthew chapter 13, I wanted to try to bring a message surrounded around first the Word of God and our thoughts of the new year. I've entitled this message, Things Old and New. New Year's Eve is certainly a time of reflection for anybody who thinks. I know you would agree with that. Out with the old year, in with the new year. Time, made of seconds and minutes, hours, days, weeks, years, time. Time had a starting point. There was a time when there was the first Second ticked. Before time, there was eternity. No past, no future, the eternal present. And Revelation chapter 10, verse 6, speaks of time being no longer. Conscious, eternal existence. And how we leave time is how we will spend eternity. I want to read a verse of scripture from Revelation chapter 22, verse 11. This is the last chapter in the Bible. John says, He that is unjust... Let him be unjust still, forever, for eternity. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. When he dies, how he dies, that is how he will spend eternity. And he that is righteous, That describes every believer. Let him be righteous still throughout eternity. And he that is holy, that describes every believer. Let him be holy still. In Matthew chapter 13, 
the Lord is concluding those seven parables he gave to the multitudes. The parable of the sower and the four different soils. Remember, only one soil was good. The parable of the wheat and the tares, how we're told to let the wheat and the tares to grow together. Nobody has enough sense to be able to tear out the tares and know the difference between the tares of the wheat. He says, let them both grow together. That's such wisdom. If I tried to root out the tares, I would root out the wheat and the tares would be left behind. That's the sin to you and I have. The Lord tells us not to do it. We have the parable of the mustard seed, the growth of the kingdom of heaven. We have the parable of the leaven, the workings of God's grace. We have the parable of the treasure hid in a field, Christ hid in his word. We have the parable of the one pearl of great price, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you find the one pearl, you quit seeking pearls, plural. And then we have the parable of the net thrown into the ocean and bringing in good fish and bad fish. I love the way gospel preaching is not like fishing with bait where you cover the hook to fool the fish. <laughs> you throw the net out. It brings in good fish and bad fish. And in the end, the angels will throw and cast the bad away and bring the good in. And then he says, after these parables, verse 51, Jesus saith unto them, have you understood? Have you understood? All these things. Well, we've understood if he has opened our understanding. That we might understand the scriptures. If he opens my understanding, I've understood. Knowledge without understanding is useless knowledge. What do I mean by that? Well, let me give you one real simple illustration. It's one thing to know that the Bible teaches that there's none righteous. No, not one. There it is, black and white. That's what the Bible says. It's another thing to understand that that's me. Big difference. Their answer in verse 51, yea, Lord. You know, I've understood those parables by the grace of God, by the teaching of God, the Holy Spirit. I've understood those parables. I can say with the disciples, yea, Lord. You see, if you understand, it's because he's taught you. Look in verse 10 of this same chapter. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. If you understand, it's because he's given that understanding 
to you. That's the only reason you understand. This is not something just uh, intellectually grasped and comprehended. This is the Lord being your teacher. If you understand, he's taught you. They shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. Yea, Lord, we've understood. Yeah, there's a reason. He's taught you. What an amazing thing that the Lord has taught me his gospel. And I wouldn't understand had he not taught me. Yea, Lord. Verse 52. Then said he unto them, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven. Now the word instructed is literally discipled. And it is in the passive voice. Uh, you've been discipled by the Lord. That's why you're a disciple. You've been discipled. You've been instructed. And here is the evidence of being instructed by him. Every disciple, every scribe which is instructed under the kingdom of heaven, that somebody says, well, is that the preacher? Well, I guess it could be, but I think it's every believer because every believer has been discipled. Go and make disciples of every nation. Every believer is a disciple. Every believer is like a scribe instructed in the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. A householder, a master of the house. And he has been given this treasure. Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Aren't you painfully aware of that? We have this treasure in jars of clay. What treasure? Well, he said in the previous verse, in verse 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure. That's the treasure he's speaking of. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, this man that's been instructed in the kingdom of heaven brings out of this treasure things new and old. New and old. I know the wise man tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. Remember Solomon saying that in the book of Ecclesiastes? There's nothing new under the sun. 
It was true when Solomon wrote it, and it's still true. The thing which hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing under the sun. You know, sometimes men think I've come up with something new. (laughs) No, you haven't. You're just recirculating an old error. You just don't know it yet. There's nothing new under the sun. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And it's equally true that which is done in time, especially with regard to salvation, was done in eternity. You believe that? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 says, All the works were finished. From the foundation of the world. Beloved, if you're saved, you were saved already before time began. That's what the Bible teaches. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He saved us and He called us. With a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. The saving came before the calling. He saved us and he called us. Christ is called in Revelation chapter 13 verse 8, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hence we read in the scriptures of eternal salvation. That is not bound by time. We read of eternal redemption, eternal judgment, and eternal inheritance. The everlasting, the eternal gospel. So when we're talking about things old and new, remember, that's talking about things in time. The gospel is eternal as God is eternal. And one of the glorious things about the gospel, which is older than time, it's always good news. It's not old news. You know, ever since uh, I quit getting a newspaper, boy, it's rough. I like reading the newspaper. I hate looking at a screen. I did it for decades. Get up in the morning and read the newspaper. But now I have to look on my phone. And uh, um, by the time the morning arrives, All the news is old. I've already looked at it on my phone. I never get to look at anything fresh or new anymore when it comes to news. Every couple hours, I look at my phone to see what the latest news is. So when I get up in the morning, I don't have a paper and the news is already old. The gospel is not like that. The gospel is always news. Not old news. Old news isn't news, is it? It's old. The gospel is news. 
His mercies are new every morning. The gospel is not like the number one song that's new. Gets old, doesn't it? I've never heard a song that I, I'm talking about a, I'm not talking about a gospel song. I'm talking about any number one song that I loved. I get sick of it. I don't want to hear it anymore. It grates on my nerves. At one time, it was great. Best thing I've ever heard. Now, oh, you know, it's old. The gospel's never like that. The gospel is news. Now, the scribe instructed brings out of his treasure things new and old. Things old. Where the new is, the old is seen. And not until then. The Old Testament. And that doesn't mean Genesis through Malachi. Um, the New Testament is on every page of the Old Testament. And I don't understand the Old Testament until I see the New Testament in every page. But if I don't see the New in the Old, I'm one of those people that Paul described in 2 Corinthians 3.14 who are blinded and the veil is over their eyes in the reading of the Old Testament. Remember that passage in 2 Corinthians 3, 14? Unto this very day, Paul says, they're blinded. And the veil is over their eye when they read the Old Testament. The Lord said in John chapter 5, verse 39, with regard to the Old Testament scriptures, they are they which testify of me. Every single one of them. When the new is understood in the old, we're experiencing the newness of the Spirit and not the oldness of the letter. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about from the Scripture. When the Lord gave the Sermon on the Mount, three times he said, you've heard it been said of them of old. You know what happens next? The quotation of an Old Testament scripture. And then he follows that with, but I say unto you. I am the only one who determines what that scripture means. It means what I say it means. Now that's authority. He took the scriptures, God's holy word, and he quoted them. You've heard it said in the commandment regarding murder, the commandment regarding adultery. Uh, he quoted Old Testament scripture. You've heard it said by them of old, but I say unto you, it means what I say it means. 
Not the letter, but the Spirit. What I say, it means. I am the one who gives the meaning. Now, it is only when we see the new covenant of grace that the old waxes old and decays and is ready to vanish away. That's what the scripture says. Now, to have a new man, it makes me see the old man for what it is. Not until then. Paul says, it's corrupt, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. It's only the new man that can see that. The new man. He first mentions new. Notice he doesn't mention old first, he mentions new first. And the old really is not seen until the new is experienced and seen. New means recent, unprecedented, that which was not there before. The New Testament is older than the Old Testament, isn't it? The New Testament is eternal. It never had a beginning. Paul said, we look not at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, temporary, things of time. The things which are not seen are eternal. The gospel, the good news, it is new. That's how you hear it when you hear it. When you hear the gospel as a sinner, it's like it's the first time you've ever heard it. It's that new, it's that powerful, it's that fresh. When you hear as a sinner, now when you hear as a judge or a critic, it's old, dry, but oh, when you hear as a sinner, it comes as new. Now what I would like to do is think about this concept of new in the scripture, and I pray that the Lord will cause new things to be brought out of this treasure. And these new things are eternal. They're not new in the sense that we just came up with them. But the gospel is always new. It's always news. <laughs> the New Testament. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 7, for if the first covenant, that's the Old Testament, the covenant of works. If the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now this new covenant was made before the foundation of the world. It didn't just pop up into time. This is the eternal covenant, but it's called the new covenant. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Now in this first covenant, he took them by the hand. 
You know what he didn't have? Their heart. He can take them by the hand. and You know, if I take a child by the hand, three or four years old, I can, I can get them to do what I want to do. I can yank them back and forth. I can get them here. I can get them there. Somebody says, I can't control them. Yeah, you can. Just grab them by the hand and pull them wherever you want. You can do it. You can do it. You're bigger than they are. Um, but that's not, that's not real. It doesn't do anything to the heart. Let's go on reading. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their heart. Now, that's a lot different than leading them and yanking them out by the hand. He says, I'll put my laws. And he's not talking about the Ten Commandments. Because the Ten Commandments are written in everybody's that's why I, um, when people say we need to be taught how to live, you know how to live. You know you ought not steal. You know you ought to pay your bills. You know you ought not commit sexual sin. You know you ought not murder people. You know you ought not steal. You know you ought not covet. Everybody knows that. You know you ought to love God with all your heart. All your soul and all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. Somebody says, we need to be taught to live. No, you don't. You already know. You need to be taught how to die. You need to be taught the gospel. But as far as all the, here's what you need to do. You know you ought to pay your bills, don't you? Does anybody, do you know you ought to pay your bills? Sure you do. Sure you do. You need to be taught the gospel, though. I need to be taught the gospel. And here he says, I will write my laws. It's not talking about the Ten Commandments. That's already written in your heart. You're born. You, you do. You're born with that knowledge. You know, in the New Testament, I've given these before, and I found another one while I was preparing this message. I've given the six laws of the new nature. There's actually seven. These are all from the Scripture. I write my laws, plural, in their heart. Well, there's the law of sin. You've got a law in your heart that makes you know that everything that comes from your natural man is sin. It's called the law of sin. The law of righteousness. You can't be satisfied with anything short of perfect righteousness. Your conscience can't be satisfied. The law of faith. You can't not believe. I believe. Help thou my unbelief, but you can't not believe the gospel. The law of love, you can't help but love God and love his people. The law of liberty, you must have freedom. The law of Christ. Galatians 6, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And here's one I haven't mentioned in the past. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 2, the law of the spirit of the life in Christ Jesus. These are laws of nature, the new nature. And go on reading. He says in this new covenant, I will be to them a God. They shall be to me a people. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful. I will be propitious is the word to their unrighteousness. 
And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now how in the world can the Lord not remember something? He's got a good memory. How? Nothing there to remember. He's propitious. He's put it away so that there is nothing there to remember. And did he say the new covenant, he's made the first old. <laughs> now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. In Matthew, or Mark chapter 1, verse 27, they said, What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. The new doctrine of Christ. It's eternal, but it's always new. And with authority he commands even demons, and they run from him. John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, that commandment covers them all, doesn't it? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. This is also called in Scripture the new man, the hidden man of the heart. I love that, the hidden man of the heart. Hidden, you can't see it, but he's still there. He's still there. Which is not corruptible, the Scripture says. The seed that does not commit sin, the spirit that lusts against the flesh, partakers of the divine nature, the clean heart, the new heart, the pure heart. A new creation. And I love the... The what creation explains this. Creation. There was nothing there. All there was was God. There wasn't any atmosphere. There wasn't any gas. All there was was God. God said light be. Light was. Life be. New creation be. There it is. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the new man created in righteousness and true holiness. Revelation 2.17 speaks of the one who overcomes and is given a new name. And he's given, according to Revelation 5.9, a new song worthy as the Lamb. And the only ones who know this song are the ones who were redeemed from out of the earth. This will be sung in the new heavens and the new earth in the inhabitants of the new Jerusalem. Now I would like to close by looking at a passage in Revelation 21. Verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth was passed away. There was no more sea. There was no more barrier. How many times have you looked at the ocean and thought, what's going on on the other side? But there's a big barrier. In heaven, there is no barrier and I John saw the holy city new Jerusalem the church coming down from God out of heaven 
prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Oh, what a glorious picture we have of the church with a wedding garment on. That fine linen, clean and white, the righteousness of the saints, which is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. Now listen, listen to this as the Lord enables you very carefully. You can't change your history. Everybody's got a history. Everybody's got skeletons in their closet. Everybody's got things they'd like to forget. Everybody's got things about their past they wish didn't take place. Everybody's got sins they remember. Now, most of them you've forgotten about. You felt real bad about them at one time. You don't remember them now. But the fact of the matter is we have a history that we cannot change. We've got a past that we can't get past. We have a history. Christ gives a new history. That's what justification is. It's a new history where everything about you is pleasing to God. You've never had a thought or a deed that he is not pleased with. You're going to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You're going to hear that. And the reason you're going to hear that is in Christ. You have a perfect history. A sinless history. A history that God is completely pleased with. I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, verse 5, for these words are true and faithful. All things new. Now how can that be? Is that pie in the sky? How can that be? When Christ was on the cross, my history became his history. My sin became his sin. That is why he died under the wrath of God. He took my place. My history became his history. 
and his perfect history becomes my history. His story becomes my story. And he said unto me, verse 6, it's done. It's done. This isn't something that has not yet happened. It is done. This new history. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Try it. Bring it on. It's God that justifieth. Who is he that can condemn? It's Christ that died, yea, rather that's risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, the newness. And let me say this about this newness. You can't mess it up. You, you can't mar this newness. This newness is the eternal righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, as we eat the bread and drink the wine, may God enable us to see that his broken body and his shed blood is why we have this new history. And I pray that the Lord will enable us to just revel and rejoice in this new history that is ours and that is ours eternally. And as we look forward to this coming year, may we do so knowing my time is in thy hand. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would give us the grace, all who believe your gospel, to know and rely on the history of Christ is our history. How we thank you that you make all things new. And Lord, I ask in Christ's name that you would give each one of us that new heart. In Christ's name we pray.